Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello everyone and welcome to our online church platform once again. And it's such a joy to be able to bring you the Word of God on this platform. Uh, we have started our three services in person uh, this Sunday. And uh, obviously we'll, we're restricted to 50 people per service. So hopefully um, we, we will be able to see an increase in that. We are obviously taking all the various precautions um, in the service, but we want to also uh, continue to bring the Word of God to you on this platform because sometimes you can send that on to someone who might need the teaching or the encouragement. It's one of the ways that we're also reaching out to our community as well. Um, just want to highlight once again our prayer meeting that's starting or that's continuing tomorrow. It's Monday. Mondays we fast and pray as a church. I want to encourage you to please join us on that. It's not something that's just for the pastors and the elders and the leaders, but it's for every single person. And it's going to be quite relevant for us in the new series that we're starting. And then uh, just for those of you who have been facing uh, COVID-19 quite in a personal way, Either you've lost a family member or you yourself have gone through the afflictions of, of the disease itself. I want to encourage you. We have a message online concerning healing. Uh, please go back. The Word of God is medicine. It is going to give you the peace that you need to be able to go through that as well. And um, yeah, we are continuing to pray that everyone in our church will be preserved by the Spirit of the Lord. And that's something that we intercede for and pray for on a weekly basis. And so we're trusting the hand of God in terms of keeping you and your family safe. Please remember that our prayers as leaders are effectual, but we want to encourage the whole church to learn how to pray for themselves and for their families as well. So we're going to uh, start this morning with a new series uh, called A Lifestyle of Prayer, Lifestyle of prayer. And so I'm going to pray for us. And uh, over the next four weeks, we'll be addressing an amazing revelation concerning prayer that should be able to draw you out from the place of prayerlessness into a lifestyle of prayer because it comes from the heart. And so we're, we're believing God for that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that prayer is not just a religious activity. We thank you, O oh God, that we can encounter you in an intimate way, Father God, and continue to see breakthroughs in our lives. And I pray, Father, that throughout this series, the next four weeks, that revelation will break forth in such a mighty way that there will be transformation that is following in our lives, that we will really transition from a place of prayerlessness or where we've been praying at a certain level. Father, I ask, Lord, that we will be moved by your word, Father God, into a place where you desire for our prayer life. Lord, that prayer will be a lifestyle for every single person that's listening to this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so, you know, prayer is something that most people are well acquainted with. Even people who don't um, refer to themselves or, or who are not Christians, who are not born again, pray. Even people who are not religious, <laughs> when the situation gets bad enough, they pray. Sometimes the, the, the prayer will say, oh, oh God, oh, oh my goodness, oh, oh Lord, help me here. Very short prayers, expressions of their heart and needs towards a divine being. 
And so it is really something that is packed and designed into mankind that there, uh, there is a sense of worship beyond what we know. Even for people who say, no, I don't believe in God, I'm an atheist and all of that. They worship something in their lives. They devote themselves to something in their lives. They derive their meaning in life from something, whether it be their family or themselves or their job or their money, whatever. And that becomes the idol in their lives. And so uh, we, we're going to go through this series explaining what prayer is and should be. And in the first week today, we're going to deal with the fact that prayer is a fellowship, prayer as a fellowship. And we'll go into the details of that. The following week, we'll talk about how prayer is a powerful agent of change. And you want to make sure that you really get this revelation because it will make a major change in your life. It will make a major change. We are not interested in prayer that is not effectual. The Bible teaches us that prayer should be effectual. It should make power available. It should be an agent of change. It should be a connection and a true connection with God. And then in the third week, we'll talk about prayer as a purifier. Hallelujah. And we'll talk about how what happens when you're in that place of prayer and what happens to your body your soul and, and your emotions and your mind and what happens also to your spirit man when you are in that place of prayer and the different kinds of prayer that we need to engage in that will begin to, to guide us into the will of God. This is awesome. And many times we are tainted in our lives, our perspectives, because we're not in the place of prayer. Many times when we get into that right place of prayer, you will begin to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit because you're in a place of prayer. You'll begin to feel the correction of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the sanctification as we taught in the previous series about uh, that God, the Holy Spirit, is beginning to effect in that place of prayer. And then in the fourth week, we'll talk about prayer as a place of revelation. This is amazing. Revelation means unveiling, the opening of eyes, you know. It means something that is secret or uncovered is opened up. And so it's because of the fact that we are dealing with God Almighty in that place of prayer and we are engaging with the Holy Spirit. There are many things that are opened up to us in the place of prayer. Many things that we might not even be asking questions about, but God begins to speak to us because something happens to us on the inside when we are in that place of prayer. It's almost like we are in a, in, in, we are tuning in the frequency. That's right. We are tuning in the radio frequency or the television channel to the frequency of God. And we begin to know things. We begin to understand things. Our discernment begins to go up. We begin to get the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Many people uh, are aware of the fact that, you know, their device is able to connect to radio frequencies and all. You can't see them with the natural eye, but they are there. And it doesn't only come on when you actually tune it to that channel. It's constantly there. And God's voice and God's um, impact on our spirit and on our lives, God's influence is constant. It is constant, especially for the born-again believer that is housing the Holy Spirit in their body. The, 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 the signal of the Holy Spirit is on continuously. But we need to tune in. And prayer is that place. 
Prayer is that place. Obviously, the word of God gives us the, the language of the spirit and gives us the, the, the training of how to interpret what God is saying. But when you get to the place of prayer, it should be instant that you begin to tune in and you begin to have the frequency of the Holy Spirit impact in your life. So that will be on the fourth week. And we'll, we'll talk about all these during the next four weeks. I want to encourage you to put these things into practice and observe your response and your reaction in your emotions, in your body, in your soul, in your spirit, how you are changing, how the prayer is affecting you. Many times we get into the place of prayer and we don't even understand how it's affecting us, you know. Uh, sometimes on, on a Monday night throughout the year, I don't have the opportunity to maybe come for the whole prayer time at church, you know, but I can just come in for the, for the first 30 minutes in the time of worship where we are entering into that and zoning into that time with the Holy Spirit. And then we, we begin to pray. Sometimes I just need to be refreshed. And so I come into this venue and the people of God are praying and something begins to happen to me on the physical level, on the emotional level, on the, on the, on the spiritual level, on the soul level. If I, if I had some depressive experiences during the day, it begins to address that. If I was discouraged, it begins to address that. So prayer is that place, hallelujah, where we are encountering the life, the life of God, hallelujah. Awesome. So what, what is prayer? Well, today we're talking about prayer as fellowship. I'm reading here from 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one to whom Jesus whispered who was going to betray him. He said to him, look, the guy that I give this, this bread to that I'm dipping, the guy that's dipping with me here in the plate, it's him. It's Judas. <laughs> and when Jesus was talking to the disciples and telling them that, you know, one of you is going to betray me, Peter asked John, ask Jesus, because John had this close relationship with Jesus. And he's the disciple who sees Jesus in his glorified state in the book of the Revelation. All right, so we're reading here from 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, if you look here, he's explaining about someone and he's talking about how the experience is real. It's not something that we're imagining in our minds. It's not something that we're fabricating. It's not a religion that we believe. We have seen him. The one that is from the beginning. We have heard him. We have seen him with our eyes. We have looked upon him. We have touched him with our hands concerning the word of life. Verse 2. And the life was made manifest or the life was revealed. Hallelujah. And we have seen it and testified to this life and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest 
to us. Who is he talking about here? He's talking about the fact that Jesus was manifested as the word of God became flesh. And this John speaks about in the, in the gospel of John chapter 1 when he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen him, the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth, you know. And so he begins to explain that and, and, and very important. Now he follows that same idea. He says that which was from the beginning, we heard him. We touched him. We handled him. This is the life of God that was manifested, right? And then he says, which was with the Father, was made manifest to us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim or announce also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Very big. He's saying we're telling you about the one that was with the Father, God in the flesh, that was manifested to us, the eternal life of God in a body, that was manifested to us, the person of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're telling you about him so that you may come into a fellowship with us, with him. This is awesome. And we'll explain what fellowship means now. And it, then he says, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This is a massive thing that he's saying here. Because, oh, hallelujah, if, if you consider what he's saying, he's saying that God Almighty, God Almighty, God Almighty, the Father, the Creator, the one from the beginning, has brought us, John, me, <laughs> has brought us into a fellowship with him and with his son, Jesus Christ, who is the eternal son of God, who is God in the flesh. And then he says, we are giving you the same opportunity, and so we're telling you about him. And then he says in verse 4, and we are writing these things so that our or your joy may be complete. Our mutual joy may be complete. Hallelujah. And so the perfection of our joy is not in anything else except in the fellowship that we have with the Son and with the Father God. And he's saying this is the good news, that that which was from the beginning, the Messiah that we've been waiting for, he was made manifest. We got to know him, and now we're giving you the same opportunity. And that opportunity is not just to know about him here, but to experience him. Okay, all right, let's go here to the meaning of fellowship. So prayer is an expressed fellowship. Let me explain, okay? So the Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia or koinonia, all right? And it means fellowship, it means partnership, it means that you are yoked. They use the same word when it says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship does light and darkness have, right? And so it's compatibility, hmm. It's compatibility, it is participation, koinonia, participation, it is communion, 
It is a contribution or exchange. This is what fellowship means. And if you are partaking, if we are in fellowship with one another, you are making contributions. We are giving and receiving. There is an exchange that's taking place. There is a belonging that's taking place. There is a sharing. There's an association that we are in. It would be the same like a legal partnership in the sense of I'm starting a law firm. It's called uh, Chipeo and Partners. You know that when you start a partnership, our estates, right? The estate, meaning you, if you're married in community or property, you, your wife, and that partner are now being joined. Your debts and your assets are now being associated. Your lives are being merged together so that if your creditors come after your partner, you have to chip in and pay for them. If your creditors come after you, your partner has to chip in and pay. You don't just do things on your own. Your lives are tied together. This is fellowship. It's very good in the expression of marriage. Marriage is a fellowship as well. A koinonia. The sexual act. The intimacy of becoming one, it has those implications. It is such a connection and a oneness. And what John is saying is that we have seen this God in the flesh and he invited us into not just a relationship of distance, but into an association, into a partnership and a union that is unbreakable. And this is why the Apostle Paul then says that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Wow. In. Not next to Christ or, or just a friend of Christ or knows about or just believes in Christ. No. is in Christ. He says that Christ is in us and we are in him and we are in the Father. There is an unbreakable union that is taking place. Now this is what prayer is all about. It is an expression of this unity. Hallelujah. Koinonia. Koinonia. Now keep that in mind. Very important because it has this uh, implication of speaking and listening. Many times in prayer, all we do is talk. We come with our list. Oh God, do this for me. Do that for me. Lord, also this. Lord, please do this. And we do that. And, and Lord, uh, and we come with our requests. But prayer and fellowship is about conversation. It's about exchange. It is about speaking it is also about listening and the Lord speaking and the Lord listening. And this is the union. And this happens facilitated by the Spirit of God. Now, I'm going to take us back quickly to man's original design. If you look at Genesis, from uh, chapter 2, when man is created, God is interacting with man. God is interacting with man. But in that instance, there is quite a distance why? Because Adam is not the same like Christ. Because Jesus is obviously the Son of God. He is in the Trinity. He is one of the Trinity. The, Son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Adam is outside of that. So then in the beginning it says, let them have dominion. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And let them have dominion. And so there is this um, delegation outside of God that Adam is over there and God is over here and there is still this koinonia, this interaction. But when Jesus comes, what he does is he brings us into the fellowship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not even Adam had that kind of proximity. 
Hallelujah. And so in the beginning, God's heart was always coming to man and, and relating with him. We read in Genesis chapter 3, from verse 7 through to 15, how that relationship and fellowship was broken because of sin. Right? And God comes and he asks man, did you eat of the tree that I commanded you not to eat of? And then he says, yeah, but the woman you gave me. And the woman says, no, but the serpent tempted me. And, 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 and everyone's pointing finger and blaming everyone else. And then there is this separation that is happening, this break in fellowship that is taking place. So uh, God's original design was for fellowship with man. Look here in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. The important thing to notice here is that fellowship happens at a level of equals. Fellowship happened among equals. This is, <laughs> I know what I'm saying is bizarre. But this is the truth. It is what God wanted. Now am I saying that uh, we are equal to God the Father? No, what, what I'm trying to say here is our equality is the same way that a father and a son are equal. In comparison to a father and the dog. You understand? So therefore, the equality is about the same kind of persons, the same kind of being. Only they can have koinonia. Only they can have fellowship. Only they can have connection, partnership, and intimacy. As much as God has interactions with um, the, 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 the angelic beings and the, the heavenly community of the heavenly hosts and all of that, they don't know God the way that the sons of God in Christ know God. We are meant to know and experience God the same way that Jesus experiences the Father. Hallelujah! <laughs> this is awesome. Now look here, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. He says... Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. Let them share, let them be partners of us in the earth realm. Over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then verse 27, look here. So God created man in his own image and in in the image of God, he created him. This image of God is reiterated. Why? Because God is creating mankind for fellowship, not just for service. They are not, he, mankind is not like the angels. Mankind is for God, for the love relationship between father and son, father and daughter. That close koinonia, that fellowship, that's what God intended. That's the purpose. That's the first primary purpose of mankind. And then it says he created him male and female, he created them. So this is not just for men, it's also for women. There are some uh, religions where only the men are allowed to pray and the woman must be in a certain section. No, this is for men and for women. They are both created in the image of God for fellowship. They are both partakers of this fellowship, hallelujah. And they are made in the image of God so that they have the ability to relate with God. God doesn't relate with the animals. Now, I'm just reminded now, remember when God was about to create, to make Eve out of the rib of Adam, right? So God puts Adam to sleep, and then what he does before he, he, he brings Eve, while Adam was still awake, he brought him the animals. 
And then it said, but among the animals, there was no suitable helper. There was no fellowship partner for Adam. This is pointing to how God thinks about relationship and koinonia. He creates beings at the similar kind in order for the relationship to work. And so then he, he brings the rib out of Adam. He makes Eve, brings, presents Eve to Adam. And then this is what Adam says. He says, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He is recognizing we are the same so that we can be in union, union and fellowship. Hallelujah. And in the same way, mankind was made in that way. Image and likeness. God saying to mankind, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So that the, to the point where the church is called the bride of Christ. Where Jesus looks at us and says, this is now bone of my bone. This is now flesh of my flesh. They are like me. In fact, the Bible says he is the firstborn among many brothers. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. All of that for what purpose? For fellowship. For fellowship. And when you think of prayer, stop thinking of prayer like you used to think. Think of your relationship with God as being highly valued and then your interactions with God are the expression of your fellowship. That is prayer. Because many people pray, they don't even want anything to do with God. They are doing it to soothe their conscience. If God appears because of their prayer, they'll be shocked. Oh, whoa, I wasn't really expecting you to come. <laughs> I, I was just praying, you know. If God responds, they are surprised. It shouldn't be that way. It should be first the relationship and then the expression. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. So the fellowship, the koinonia has to be at an equal level. It's among equals. So what I'm saying here is that those who are born of God are like God because they are born of God's spirit. And the, the word of God teaches this. This is what it teaches. Many religious mindsets have made it so that Christians feel as if they are far from God. As if they are different from God. Oh, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. If you give birth to a child, the only thing that makes the child behave like that is if you haven't raised them. If you haven't raised them to realize you are a son you are uh, my offspring. And we must understand, this is what the word of God says, even in John. Yeah, It says, he came to his own. His own did not receive him. But to them that received him, he gave them power to become children of God. Not born of blood, not born of the will of men, but born of the spirit of God. He says, behold what manner of love the father has given unto us, that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. Hallelujah. Why? So that we, God has fellowship. He wants a family. He doesn't want religious people. He wants a family. He wants those who partake in his love. In a, in a close, close way. We have been brought into the Trinity. This is what we say. And in what way have been brought into the Trinity? Because we are in Christ. Where is Christ? Christ is in the Trinity. Where are we seated? We are seated in heavenly places. Where? On the right hand of the Father, in Christ Jesus. This is our position and this is our nature. 
Whose righteousness we have? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. When we appear before the Father, the appearance that we have before the Father is radiant just like the sun. Why? Because we have been recreated. We are born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. We are born of God's word. Who is the word of God? Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so when you have these things in mind, you will see how it will begin to affect your prayer life. I'm reading here from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. And it's important that we understand this part because it begins to explain to us from Peter's perspective how we have been brought in into a, a, another kind of life. This is not just religious activity. We have been brought into the very essence of God's kind of life. And so we're going to look at this scripture, follow with me, I'm going to bring out some of the Greek um, um, meanings of the words here, and we'll be able to tell exactly how God wants us to think concerning this fellowship. And this is what he says, verse 3, uh, so 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, his divine power as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue or power, verse 4, by which we have been given, by which, no, by which have been given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these promises you may be partakers. This is the word koinonos, partakers, participators <coughs> in the fellowship, excuse me, in the fellowship of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption or the death or the decay that is in the world through lust. He says a lot here. Okay, so let, let's unpack it briefly. When you're in the place of prayer, this is what you should have in your mind, okay? That God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And it comes by knowing him. Just like John said, we are telling you about him so that you can come into this fellowship. What is the fellowship? He called, in, in, uh, he called us by glory and virtue. And verse 4 it says, by which we have been given great and precious promises. Why? Because it's by God's promises, God's word, that we begin to access through faith, when we believe God's word, that's when the supernatural life begins to be animated. And then it says that through these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature. <laughs> the word is koinonos of the theosphysis. Physis with a, a P-H-Y-S-I-S. Theos means God's. Physis means nature, the God kind. It means that you may become a partner in the God kind of life. Just like you have humankind, you have animal kind, you have the, 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 the dog kind, and you have plant kind, you have the God kind, you have the divine nature, you have the, the theosphysis. And he's saying we are being brought from the humankind level into the God kind level. <laughs> How? We are being brought in because what Jesus has done on the cross has not only made us 
the same guy is turning back, he's turning his back on sin and now going in a different direction. No, we are new creations. We are new creations. We are recreated in our spirit. God is a spirit, so those who are born of him are spirits. So in our spirit, we are a divine creation because we are born of the divine. This is a massive, <laughs> this is a massive truth that many believers have not even heard. And I'm bringing that in so that you understand what is going on when you are praying, when you are in fellowship with God Almighty, how he accepts, how he enjoys the kind of access that you are having, the union that you have, the fellowship. So he's brought us into the participation that you might be participators in the God kind of life. The life has been manifested. We touched him. We handled him. And we are telling you now that there's a fellowship that you can come into so that you also may have fellowship. And our fellowship is with who? That's what John said in, in, in 1 John 1. He said our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. Those are divine beings. We are in fellowship with the divine. Many of us are like, oh God, if you could only appear, let that angel appear, let this appear. We are, we are in a relationship that is greater than relating to angels. We are relating to God Almighty, the Father of all spirits. And we are in a relationship, not just visiting, we have been brought into the beloved son. We are married into it. We are, we are, we are, we are now in God's family in truth. I hope you are getting this because <laughs> you have to meditate in these things because the devil doesn't want you to believe this. He wants you to just think you're a church member. <laughs> you're just a church member. You're just a Christian trying to do Christian things. No. And this is the truth. The, the amazing thing about the spiritual things is that they are accessed by believing them. And how will they believe if someone doesn't tell them? And how will they tell them if they are not sent? How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring the good news, right? So the gospel, when Jesus was dying on the cross, right? He wasn't just doing that to deal with our sins and now our sins are forgiven. Yay. No. Our sins were forgiven in order that we may be reconciled to God so that we may come into fellowship. What's the point of having your sins forgiven and then walking off and never ever speaking to God? Never ever relating to God. The benefit of Christianity is not in the salvation from hell. It is in the relationship with God. And that's why the benefit of Christianity starts the day you get born again and not the day you die and go to heaven. You'll be surprised how many people want to go to heaven, but they don't want much to do with God. Wrong. It's like a lady who wants to marry a guy. She's a gold digger. She wants his money, but she doesn't want him. And God gave up his son, sacrificed Jesus, so that he can bring many sons to glory. Hallelujah. And this is our privilege. But the issue is that enemy has lied to us 
and made all the religions pray. And so when we pray, we're also praying a religious prayer. Our interactions with God is not our interactions with the divine as it should be because we exclude our own hearts, our own selves, are condemning ourselves. We don't see ourselves in Christ. Now, let's keep going on here. I'm reading from John chapter 16, verse 22. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. In verse 15, in chapter 15, he speaks also of, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And then later on, he speaks about how, um, I will not leave you alone. The Holy Spirit will come and all of that, right? And so in, in John chapter 16, remember, John is really giving us this revelation of the fellowship. John chapter 16, verse 22, he says, Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Remember what John said in 1 John, so that your joy may be complete. We are telling you that there's this fellowship. So our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. We're telling you this so that your joy may be complete. The joy is found in the fellowship. And then verse 23, Jesus continues to tell his disciples. And in that day, when I see you again, you will ask me nothing. Now, let me just explain that this is after he comes from the resurrection. So for a little while, he will be taken away. He'll be crucified. He'll die. He'll descend. And then he'll ascend. And he'll be resurrected. He'll appear to them. And then their joy will be complete. And no one will be able to take that joy. And so he says, in that day when, when I resurrect, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Look at the change. So previously, they're relating to Jesus all the time. But after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, now the way has been opened. And now the new creation has been brought forth from the grave. And therefore, they are now able to go directly to the Father. And they go not in their own name, in the name of Jesus. Because this fellowship is not going to be the, uh, about some stranger with God. It's going to be the Son of God relating to the Father. And how do we do that? We do that by using the name of Jesus. Verse 24, he says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, he says, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Look, look at what he says here. Look at the fellowship picture. Asking and receiving. Asking and receiving. Speaking and listening. And you know, most of the time in prayer, our receiving happens by receiving a rhema, a revelation and understanding a word from God. Because when we believe that word from God, that's when the miracle is released. That's why he says that in that day, you ask and you receive and there's a joy that will be in that. Verse 25, he says, these things I've spoken to you in figurative language, but I tell you, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I'll tell you plainly about the Father. This is when the Holy Spirit comes now. And verse 26, in that day you will ask in my name, in my name, in my name. What is he doing there? He's empowering, he's empowering the new sons of God. To, to stand at the level of Christ when they pray. Not to be like, Lord, 
please, you know, no, you are standing in his name. This is called power of attorney. It's what wives can have when they are married in community. They can go and say, no, my husband and I, we share the estate. We are married in community. My word is his word. And when, when you have a, a manager of your estate or an accountant or a lawyer and you are in another country, you can send them a power of attorney to use your name. It is as if you are standing in that bank hall and saying, I want the million dollars now. And they must not ask you nonsense. <laughs> they must not ask you. No, but is it you? Look at the document. Look at the document. And Jesus has given us his name to use. To grant us full access. And he will never take it back. Jesus is not a divorcer. He will never take it back. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is now operating and living in that reality. And the more you believe it, the more you're, when you say in the name of Jesus, you will see the power of God released. Because it's not just in using the name, because there are many Jesuses around the world, especially in South America. You know, it's a very common name, Jesus, you know, Jesus. And even it's a Greek name. And there's many Yeshua's. You know, it's the name Joshua. You know, my son Reuben, his second name is Joshua. There are many. So if you say in the name of Yeshua, it's not about saying Yeshua. It's also not saying in the name of Jesus. There are many Jesuses. And even the demons will say, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, who are you? Right? So you have to gain an, a revelation. <laughs> you have to gain a revelation of Jesus Christ and who you are in Christ. Because when you are using that name and the devil says no, and you say no, I'm using the name of Jesus, he says no. And you say no, you can't say no. I'm enforcing it now. You better bend your knee. And so it needs to be enforced. Many people casually will say, oh, in the name of Jesus, like trying to throw it out there. Mm -mm. You must enforce it. You must not take no for an answer. That is what Jesus wants. And then he says, he says this, in that day you will ask, in that day you will ask in my name, I, and I do not say that you shall pray the Father. Mm -mm. I do not say that, I do, I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. Look at what Jesus is saying. He's saying here that I'm not saying that I'm going to ask on your behalf. Mm -mm. You are going to ask directly to the Father in my name. I'm not going to ask on your behalf. So sometimes you hear people praying like this. They say, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. I pray that, Lord Jesus, will you please do this? Jesus, will you please do this? Jesus, will you please do this? In Jesus' name. That is an error. Okay? Our prayer should be to the Father in the name of Jesus. And I mean, many times the Lord is entertaining the ignorance and all of that, but it's sometimes the way that the enemy is using to resist that. It's supposed to be, it doesn't even make sense to ask Jesus in Jesus' name. <laughs> Lord Jesus in Jesus' name. No, I mean, if you ask in Jesus, you just ask in your name, right? But when we're asking the Father, we are given the name of Jesus and this is what Jesus wanted. He wants us not to be interacting with him only. He came to reveal the Father. Imagine you have four kids in the house and only one relates to you. Everyone else talks to that brother. 
please ask the father if, you know, please ask the father if we can have food. Please ask the father. It's dysfunctional. You want every child to relate to you as the parent directly. This was God's heart from the beginning. And this is Jesus' heart from the beginning. And if we are relating to Jesus, we are definitely relating to him in fellowship, in worship, in praise, in conversation. But then when we are petitioning and we are asking, we mustn't shy away from the Father. There are many people, when they pray, they love praying to Jesus. Because Jesus is meek and mild. Jesus, he always forgives everyone and uh, he, he forgives the prostitutes and he's got a lamb on his, you know, on his shoulders and he, he, he leaves the 99 and he's the good shepherd. But the father, hey, the father is like an African father, you know, full of anger and discipline. And so nobody wants to go to the father. So they say, Lord Jesus, won't you please do this and that and that in Jesus name? No. God sent his son so that you could be reconciled to the father. The fellowship, the koinonia is in the father and the son is in the father and you are in the father. The fellowship is unbroken in that way. We are not keeping the father out and dealing with the older brother only. No, we are with the son and with the father and with the Holy Spirit in that fellowship. And then he says in verse 27, because the Father, in verse 26, he says, In that day you will, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I pray the Father, I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you. Hallelujah. Look at Jesus giving them an assurance, saying, Guys, talk to the Father. I'm not saying talk to me and I'll talk to the Father. Yes, I'm doing that intervention on the cross. But once you get born again, you now have full access. You have my name. You have my nature. You have my righteousness. You can now talk to the Father directly as if you were me. Why? Because the Father himself loves you. And then he says, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth. From God says Jesus hallelujah <laughs> and so we're talking about prayer over the next four weeks and this is an important foundation and this is a New Testament post New Testament reality in the Old Testament they did not pray like this so if you look at the Old Testament they they were not born again in their nature because Christ has not yet died, the way to the heavenlies, the way to the holies had not yet been opened because his blood was not yet shed and the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. There could not be new creations. The, Jesus was the first Adam from the grave. And so the next race that comes out of the second Adam follows him. And so, yes, the Old Testament guys had wonderful prayers and God in that time was entertaining that, but his heart was for the prayers coming up need to smell like Jesus. <laughs> they need to be Jesus level prayers that are coming up. These are the sons of glory and Moses and Elijah will any day change places with you. And David will any day change places with you rather than be there. And you're saying, yeah, but they had some hectic miracles. Absolutely. And we can have greater if only we take advantage. Now look here in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 as we conclude. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace 
that we may obtain mercy and meet or find grace in help uh, to help in time of need. This is what he says to us in Hebrews. He says that since we have a high priest that is touched by the feeling of our, because of what Christ has done, let us now come to the Father. And he says, we must come boldly. And I, I did a study on that word in the Greek called boldly, right? Come boldly. It means come speaking frankly. Come speaking openly. Come speaking freely, right? If you are in prayer and you are shying away, mm -mm, unbiblical. Come speaking freely, speaking boldly. Come speaking frankly, right? Come speaking, right? And, and why? Because it's, it's in speaking that we are partaking from the grace. It says, to the throne of grace that we may obtain, that we may, lambano is the word, that we may take mercy. Don't wait and beg. No, you are coming and taking, you are confessing the mercy. You are admitting, you are declaring the mercies that are, are yours in Christ, right? And then it says, and find grace. Find means to meet, to discover, to gain, to gather, to fellowship in the Father's love and favor. To help in your time of need. And that word need there is at the convenient, at the right, perfect time. Hallelujah! <laughs> and so, don't let anybody block your praying. Don't let any demon or deacon keep you from your love prayer relationship with the father with the father i just spoke recently to someone close to me and i was telling them look your prayer usually is to jesus why is that and they had a recent encounter with the lord and i've been listening to their prayer their prayer has changed my father my father father heavenly father father you know that is what god wants Daddy, Lord, Father, Lord, Father. And then Jesus will just look at you across from the hall saying, Yeah, boy, that's what I came to do. That's what I came to do. Not here behind Jesus, you know. Lord Jesus, just ask the Father. Lord Jesus, you know. Lord, Lord, Lord. You know, as if the Father is trying to look at you and can't see you. And you're just hiding here as an imposter in Jesus, you know. Hiding in Jesus. No! <laughs> that's not what God did. The blood of Christ is sufficient to cleanse you and to make you new so that you can come. And in that place is where the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and begins to remove the filth and the purify and begin to uh, address certain things in your heart. Hallelujah. And so this is my prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we are going into this encounter of of prayers over the next four weeks. Lord, awaken, awaken your church to this revelation of who they are in Christ, that they are not far from God, that they are not separated from God, that if any man is in Christ, if they are born again in truth, then they are new creation. They are one with Christ. They are one with the Father and they are having koinonia, the, the fellowship, the partnership, the partaking. What's God's is mine. What's mine is God's. There's a fellowship. There's a love. There's an acceptance. There is a, 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 a familiness together. 
And I pray, God, that mindsets will be destroyed. Strongholds will be destroyed by the truth and by the anointing that have been barring people and keeping them away from being in the presence, in their conscience, in their consciousness, in the presence and awareness of God without any sense of condemnation. But I pray, oh, 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 Father, that you, oh Lord, open our eyes to this revelation in truth, Lord, that we will really truly see it, what Christ has done, not just to line us up next to God, but to bring us into the fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I see people just in tears as they are listening because they are realizing the love of the Father towards them. And that love is going to grow over the next four weeks. I see people getting set free from many things, especially emotional bondage, anxiety, depression, because of the loneliness, because the love of the Father is being revealed. And you are going to pray so spontaneously. Prayer will be one of your primary joyful moments. It's not labor. It's not hard work. It's like the same way you crave being with the closest friend that you have to share, to share secrets, to share jokes to enjoy the fellowship to fellowship and be together sometimes you won't even say anything you'll just be there experiencing god speaking to you god revealing to you opening your eyes cleansing you and as you respond in your emotions and respond in your heart and with your words that fellowship and koinonia will begin to happen Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the next four weeks. It's going to be awesome. We pray, Lord, that no, no, no distraction will steal this word and that great understanding will come to your church and your body, Lord God, so that the prayer will begin to unite, Father God, more their hearts and their minds and their bodies and their experience. I see many miracles beginning to take place just in that place of koinonia and fellowship with God. Some things that you won't even ask for because your faith will just be triggered and they will just be drawn into your life. Many miracles. I see people getting healed, even mental illness getting healed because of just this time in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Awesome. So we, we've come to the end of our message today. I want to encourage you, please join us. Uh, tomorrow for our prayer session and I want to encourage you continue to cultivate that time of prayer but meditate listen to this message over and over until the lights begin to go on and you will know because your prayer your 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 thirst for that place of being alone with God whether on the mountain whether on a, on a walk or on a cycle you just want to spend time alone with the lover of your soul the father of your spirit and so, Father, we thank you, Lord. Awesome. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We will see you soon. Be blessed. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.